connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. Or good afternoon or good evening, whatever time it is when you're hearing the podcast. I welcome my friend Brenda Mounier today. Uh, we've been friends, I think, forever. Brenda, thank <laughs> you for coming. Bonjour. It's my pleasure to be here. So Brenda is a French teacher, no matter what my youngest child says. <laughs> <laughs> That's a personal joke. Maybe we can go there later. We can share that later. <laughs> her career was as a French teacher, and I was good friends with her husband, who is no longer with us, and with Brenda to this day. And we're just going to see what comes up when we talk about healing. So welcome. Yeah. Well, merci. Thank you. So let's do a little bit about French, because, you know, we're going to do this in English, but we can both do it in French if we wanted to. So you were a teacher at a school where my daughter was a student. <laughs> in elementary school? In elementary school in Lafayette, <coughs> Louisiana. So we, we can't be too, not everybody's from Scott or Lafayette that here, so we have to be kind of general. So one day, and Brenda and I were friends, and my daughter knew her as my friend, but she also knew she taught at school. Yeah, I think she was in second grade, I and so. I, I taught in fourth grade, and so she would see me occasionally passing by on campus. Right. <laughs> and I guess she just, you know, she knew me, and I talked to her, but she would just maybe wonder what I taught, what, exactly. I, what yeah. I did there. <laughs> okay, and we were at a social uh, gathering one night. Weren't we, you and I? I don't remember where she asked you this, but we've been laughing at it yes. ever since. <laughs> I've gotten some mileage out of this. She, um, we were at Mate Alain's. That makes sense, <clears throat> yes. For a, a beautiful monthly, or I think it was tri-monthly uh, gathering Ma- of Mate French. Mate Alain was a professor of French at the university who had these monthly soirees where the students at the university could be in a social setting and speak French. Yes, often oh, yes. often poetry readings, um, oh. uh, great discussions, and great food that her eighty six year old, eighty nine year old mother would make exactly. for us. It was just a it was always a lovely evening, and uh, we were in the kitchen that one one evening, and uh, Marie was what your daughter Marie was second grade, so she would have been seven, yeah. I guess. And so you and I were talking, and, and she was looking back and forth at us, at us. And at one point, you know, with, mm-hmm. with um, question marks in her eyes, just kind of inquisitive, she's like, well, well, you're, are you a teacher, or are you just a French teacher? <laughs> <laughs> right for the then, I mean, it shocked both of us for a moment. I had to process that in uh, about three seconds, and Becca, and then when we processed it, we were we were just it was hysterical it was hysterical hysterical and it but the thing is the words from a child's mouth makes you think oh, makes yeah. you put things in perspective and so i stepped back and i said well you know uh i answered her after after the, the hysterics died out <laughs> i said well yes i i uh she's but but she saw us laughing and her reaction was that's what that's what i wanted to say was uh like she had said something wrong, and she wanted to explain herself, and she said, "Well, yeah, but you, but you don't teach um, 
math and and science and spelling and stuff like that. And that's whenever I took a perspective on that, stepped back, and I said, well, you know, yes, I do, because you can't teach a foreign language in isolation. Exactly. If I'm going to teach French, you place France on the map. So you have geography. Exactly. You have art, you have music, you have history, you have, of course, the linguistics, the language itself. You have PE when you go outside and place something in French. Everything is open. Everything is open to. Disrupt in that right. language. I could have. Yeah, I could have been. I mean, I was. <clears throat> I could play cards in class with the students. My and, mother and they were learning my children math. their numbers playing bure yes. and bataille. <laughs> all the games that that we uh, Cajuns you know grew up grew up playing right card games and um, uh, they that was a learning experience for them because it was done in the target language That's so, you know, funny. so they were learning their numbers they were learning how to say give me this card give me that card or stop cheating don't look at my cards and whatever you know so so yes uh to me, a foreign language, if it's taught the way the way I at least I think that it should be taught and should be in, it should encompass the entire curriculum. Totally, it's immersion. We get it. It's uh, but then because you and I always spoke French and she heard French in families, she couldn't figure out why you had to learn that at school. I think that also was part of her reasoning, but. Well, now she's a married lady. and Yeah. <laughs> wow. Does she remember saying that, having said that? I have no idea. She said a lot of things that made me think for the rest of my life. <laughs> because, in, because she's brilliant, That's... and in her innocence, she sees things, and then she asks, and, and then it mm-hmm. opens that question like, oh, my goodness. Oh, she's kind of like her mom. She Very inquisitive. And... She kind of is. So... Um, she also, this is one thing she did for me in one of these moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she's ever heard nor may never listen to my podcast, so I feel a sense of freedom to talk <laughs> about my child. <laughs> uh, one time You're I had safe. fever. I had fever. And I said, you know, I told her, I said, Marie, I'm sorry. I don't know what activity we had planned, but I can't do it. And Marie was always a teacher in her own way. You know, so she put her mm-hmm. hand on her hip and she gets her little attitude and she goes, well, do you think you might get fever again? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, is it your fault you have fever? Well, well, no. Well, then you can't be sorry. You can't be sorry for something that's not your fault that ah. might happen again. And then in that moment, I felt relief or yes. forgiveness for any illness I had ever had before. Oh. And I had had some big ones. That's a moment. Wow. Isn't it? That's a big moment for you. It's huge. And she she has big moments with people all the time, whether she realizes it or not. So I wrote a yeah. little book called Lucky. Mm-hmm. But I wrote it in English and French. Mm-hmm. And I've read it. And exactly. I... And, and it was about my own experience with mental illness. And I dedicated it to Marie who taught me not to be sorry for being sick. And that's such a yeah. freeing thing. And at the time, I, I asked uh, Franz Amelinks to just translate it for me because mm-hmm. I wanted it to be correct. So I published it in both languages. And so um, I don't think it matters which language you use to express anything. 
because, as you said, education came totally in French, but you learned all the subjects. So the subject today we broach mm-hmm. is the subject of healing. Well, it doesn't matter if you say your prayers of healing in English or French or that's, Spanish. That, that's or, right. It matters that you say them, even if they're correct or not. So um, I don't know if, if I had ever shared this with you. Um, in the different kinds of healing that I, I had been trained in, one day we went to a local hospital, and there was a lady there, an older lady, and she she asked me, she said, are you a traiteur? And I'm like, oh, no, but my grandfather was, but he died, you know, when I was young, and I don't know that he, he gave that to anybody when he died. So she looked at me, and she said, would you like the prayer? Oh, well, I said, <laughs> yes. But in my mind, um, being a traiteur, how would you describe what is a traiteur to us? Well, first of all, I'd like to qualify the word that in France, the the same word means a caterer, somebody who caters. Over here, that does not mean that at all. And we don't need caterers because we all know how to cook. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, but a a traiteur to me is a treater, a healer. Exactly. And... um, I mean, growing up in a small town about 45 miles north of, Ville, of Lafayette, which is, it's called Ville Platte. It's in French, Ville Platte, meaning a flat, flat town. town yeah. Because about 15 minutes north of there, it, it starts rolling hills. Now, Louisiana <laughs> does not have any, I think it has one mountain, one mountain. And it's in north Louisiana. It's... um. 535 feet, I think, and it's called Driscoll Mountain. Yeah. I think it's near Poverty Point in that area. But um, so anyway, growing up in Ville Platte, my parents, um, who didn't speak speak English at all, I was, I'm one of five girls, and we all spoke French, of course, and uh, then that became my career later in life. I sure didn't think that would happen, but that's what my profession was. Um and I grew up with des traiteurs, with healers, people who treated for various things uh, in our neighborhood, all, all over. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a, these people weren't self-appointed people. They were exactly. just, they had a gift. They received gifts. They were open to receiving a gift from somebody else. They treated it's a real simple many thing. things. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's very, very simple. And, and, and we have in every religion and in, in every people and in every culture, we have people who do healing. Mm-hmm. That's just a real thing. In our culture, uh, I ended up getting a degree later on in anthropology. Well, hello, I never thought healing would give me a degree. And any more than you thought French would give you a career. Um, mm-hmm. But but for cultures who, who have healers, um, there's often a medicine man or a medicine woman, and they're trained their whole life to do that. For us, the gift of healing was shared equally in the community. So my grandpa was a farmer, but he could have been a blacksmith, or it could have been just a, any trade. It could be a woman. So we had specific prayers for treating specific ailments like earache and sunstroke and headache and uh, sprained ankles and, you know. So that's... Mm-hmm. I guess this could be just a good day to talk about healing in our culture in 
in French-speaking Louisiana. So mm -hmm. that being said, uh, the lady offers me the prayer, and I'm like, but I know, because we have these uh, mores or, or standards. I can't think of the right word, but it's how things work in a culture. And so the gift of healing is given from a man to a woman who is younger or a woman to a man who is younger. And when the Tritard gives you that gift, they either quit using it then or you don't start to use it until, until they die. So it's like a one-on-one -on -one lineage of healing. Oh, okay. I, I never knew that, that, it would, that you didn't use it. You received the gift it's a prayer, uh, it's right? It's a prayer, and sometimes a gesture uh, with the uh -huh. prayer, but it's a prayer. And you're not to use it until, but but you won't forget it? Suppose no, that you, you receive it from you won't the, it. So that's mm -hmm. why the older generation, an older person, is passing it on to a younger person. Exactly. Right? Okay, and it's from one gender to another. Always. And in, in, the, in, the, in another <clears throat> level of understanding, that keeps the gift balanced well i don't know how a gift can be balanced because of the sexual orientation of the person who passes it on but i get the theory behind it it goes from man to woman and woman to man so as the gift itself mm -hmm. is passed down it's balanced between male and female so when this lady asks me if i want the gift or the prayer in my mind i say well i'm not supposed to get this from a lady but then you know Oh, yeah, that's true. I said, oh, yes. I didn't tell her that. Okay. And so she looks at me, and this is my question to you. And she says, you say, parenté, su parenté. What does that mean in French? Parenté, su parenté. Je connais pas. I don't, I don't know those words. Me either. And so I was arrogant, but not arrogant enough to say, but that doesn't make sense. That <laughs> must not be French. I mean, because the point is... Not only does it matter which language or even any language, how many people did she heal with the wrong words? It's the sincerity behind it, it's, I guess. It's, it's what you bring. It's the it's gift be. behind the words. Yeah. You know, so. It's probably in repeating, um, being repeated through the years. You know how you can, exactly. in class, you can play telephone exactly. and you start off with one sentence <clears throat> with one student and you mm -hmm. go through all. 25, 30 students, and by the time it gets to the end... It doesn't even sound like what it began. They're still trying. The sincerity is still there. They wanted to relate the message, but it's not the same words. Exactly. But it still works. We, we used to call that gossip. I guess. Because that's... <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was called go gossip so, or telephone. So I didn't that's say true. anything, and I just received this, and, and I'm like, was excited because my grandfather had been a traitor, and I understood that in my culture. But my training had come through Reiki and healing touch and other modalities that are modern. Mm -hmm. Well, Reiki is not really modern, but currently being used in, in the United States. Well, not long after that, Franz Amelinx, who was a professor, a professor at, at, at UL. the university mm -hmm. who had translated my book and we were friends, he sends me these prayers from a Mr. Nestor Guidry. Nestor Guidry, he comes from between Kaplan and Abbeville. That's an interesting name, Nestor. Right. Nestor. So then I'm mad at him. 
I'm mad at Dr. Amelinx. Why? Well, I'm not really mad any more than I was mad at the lady because I wanted to correct her, but it oh. was not me to correct. Well, what is he doing with Tretar prayers? He's not even from here. He's from Belgium. He's not even Catholic. But he, he knew your interest in them? Well, of course. And That's he, why? When you study a culture, you study all of the culture. When you study a language, you study that. He knew, you know, even though he taught French, he knew more than French. And so he'd put a little yeah. sticky note, something about enjoy this. And then I'm like, how can you enjoy a prayer? And then I was all, for about five seconds. <laughs> then I started flipping. Then you got over it. <laughs> then oh, I'm over it fast, fast. So mm -hmm. I was flipping through these prayers and I came across a prayer for sprained ankles. And and Miss Eva, who gave me my prayer, said, this prayer is for sprained ankles. I could have used her the night before my wedding because that's what I did. <laughs> she said, but you can use it for anything. That particular prayer? Exactly. So instead of giving me the prayer for sprained ankles and saying, now you can treat for sprained ankles, she gave me these words which are to treat sprained ankles, but telling me I can use it for anything, which was another kind of gift to me because I could just add that to the healing I was already doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to choose to say, well, no, now I'm going to heal like a Cajun woman from Scott. No, I can heal like my grandpa. I'm just going to add this. So the prayer written said, je suis parent, je suis parent, je suis parenté. Mm -hmm. which means we're related we're related oh my mm -hmm. goodness and this was another moment for me because the native americans speak of all their relations mm -hmm. and the word catholic means universal and we know we're all related and we know it's an inclusive thing you know because the wise men appeared to the Christ child. So it's not just for us, it's for everybody. Well, I say we, we all came from the same umbilical cord, exactly. <laughs> no matter what people may think. But, but the, we had to. The reality of the prayer that was given to me saying we're all related was huge because it allowed me to relate to the universality of Catholicism and to what the Native Americans practice. And so it just like, it connected my grandpa and specifically healing here to these to the whole of Catholicism and the whole of Native American and it just made so much sense and of course you can heal anything with the wrong words because the words of the language are not as important as the reality of the act of a bringing healing that comes through uh, you of to the intention person. right so it's um, it's kind of exciting for mm -hmm. me that was like it was it was big. So the Tretar here would would say the prayer and maybe also then she also said I would include an Our Father and a Hail Mary and a Glory Be. Mm, so Catholic. It's very Catholic. It's, but because um, we spoke French and we were mm -hmm. Catholic, but you didn't have to you, but it, it was not only European Americans who did this. Because they were Native American Tretars and they were African American Tretars. Mm -hmm. Well, how did that happen? Yeah, I, in, in some people's minds, it's it's like a witch doctor. It's like, you know, growing up, my because my, uh, I have four older sisters, and um, yeah, they grew up with that too. They believed it. They used it. They used, they got treated. Uh, they brought people to be treated. And then at one point, 
um, their view of the of Catholicism took a nosedive. And um, that was in the 70s, before even all of these things about you know, the Catholic Church came out in the 90s and whatever. Right, right. Um, and so they view, their view of, of being a healer, a traiteur, said they, they changed their mind about that completely and said that was of the devil. Right. And some people do that. I had been, I had, when, when you, when you convert to something else, you, you want to leave behind everything that was, you know, how much do Catholic people honestly accept their Jewish roots? And how do Catholic and Protestant see each other? We don't too much. We want to pretend that, or not pretend that, but we want to sever our ties. And, and sometimes you leave a piece of yourself behind. And so in severing <laughs> their ties to move forward in their minds, they were leaving a piece of their lives behind. Yeah, because not and everything was bad. Once, you know, once I was invited to go visit a woman because... Um, I used to be invited on the Académie Française show. With L'Académie Française? France, L'Académie Française. Kajin or L'Académie Kajin. Française with... Uh, That's the show that Alan, Alan uh, Simon does now? Right, but before he did it, it was called Académie Française. Française, and okay. And Dr. Uh, Ottoman. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dr. Ottoman used to invite me on his show. Uh-huh. And sometimes when we talked about healing, people would call in and I would go meet uh-huh. them. So this woman wanted me to go see her, and I went to see her. And she also had converted from Catholicism, and she wanted me to go to her church. And I'm like, "Uh, no, I just do healing work the way I do it. And she goes, yes, but do you pray to the Blessed Mother? I'm like, well, yeah, like I say, the rosary, you know, but when I pray to her, I'm, I'm asking her to pray with me. She says, well, you can't heal if you pray to Mary. So part of her conversion away from Catholicism was now mm-hmm. to call me that she knew I was a traitor on TV and tell me I couldn't do that and that I needed to join her church. Well, it was a beautiful compliment mm-hmm. because she wanted me to be a part of what she did, but I, I didn't have to cut myself off. You know, I could just add on. I could just include the next thing. And sure. for those people who have to make lines, they yeah. just have to make lines. Yeah. So yeah. it's been amazing since I studied anthropology, the connectedness of healing all over the world. And mm-hmm. and one of the things that my anthropology professor asked us, he goes, do you think you can remain in your belief, whatever our, our church was as students in his class, and study anthropology and become an anthropologist? I'm thinking, well, why not? <laughs> you know and then and then and then he went on to say that sometimes we believe what we believe but anyone who doesn't believe like us then their whole belief system is superstitious yeah the other person looks at it that way i mean it's all we it's all do the hard. same thing we, they do they do the same to, thing to us they think we, ours. we would believe that someone in africa would be a witch doctor and because they weren't christian they wouldn't be able to heal and we would also have this belief towards Native Americans. And so we have that different belief with, within different mm-hmm. sects of, of every religion. Yeah. Isn't that hysterical? Think, think of the witches, the oh, witches, the, the witch hunts, the witches that were burned in Salem. That, those were 
I'm I'm guessing they traitor. They were healers. They were, healers and they they were just herbs. misunderstood. And if they had the gift of prophecy, you know, if you were within the church and acceptable, it was a gift of prophecy. But if not, then the devil was telling you those things. So it's it's an inability to trust someone that you don't know. So we tend to not trust anything about if you're if people who speak a different language. You don't. Hell, we kind of don't trust people from certain towns. You know, you got to watch the women in that town. And, <laughs> and, 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 are, are the men in that town? Are the men those, in that, exactly. The hotties, always, yes, just so, all in so jest. It's a matter of, of seeing it, and I, I'm 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 very gifted to have been able to like I took a ethnography course with uh, at the university here, so I was able to interview five people who did healing as traitors and my question to them was about the transference of the gift like you know you would think if you get a prayer and you're going to start to heal people when you when you receive the prayer there should be shooting stars or bells and whistles (laughs) that moment no not not necessarily at all they just give you the prayer and you use Uh it you know People get better fine. If they don't get better soon, you might want to just do something else. You know, it was very sacred, and uh, yeah, and usually people who accepted that gift, they were sincere. They didn't just do it off the exactly. cuff or just do it. So, um, I get to talk to these people, and so one lady was elderly. And she said, "Well, my children tell me not to do it anymore, and so I don't." And, and it wasn't because they were necessarily suspicious or superstitious of this old way. It's that it was too much trouble to receive people in need or to be that much of service in her, in her, um, at her age. She, she was old. I don't remember how old, but old. And people probably would flock there. Well, exactly. Especially if she was good. So then... That was one lady. One one person I interviewed said that he received the gift, but he really didn't think he should do it. He he felt like not good enough, so he never did it. But oh. he had it. Okay, that's good. Then, uh-huh. then one man who was a friend that I had met on Academy Francaise with uh, Dr. Armand, I had visited him, and and he lived in Karen Crow, and he had been given eight prayers by eight, different eight? people. Some Eight. were men and some were women. Uh-huh. So everything I had learned that is a norm here was not normal when I interviewed specific people. Yeah, so he had been given eight prayers and, and also from from other men, not exactly. not necessarily women. So I everything see. that is supposed to be like that is not like that. That's funny. I thought that was funny. Then I interviewed, I included myself as one of the people because I knew me. And then there was this other <laughs> because guy. Because I knew me. <laughs> I knew me. There was this other guy, and he was a real character. He told me he could give the prayer to as many people as he could. And I'm thinking, well, that's really strange from the one-on-one lineage that we know about. And he said, you know, then I started to think, well, how could that be wrong? If he gives the prayer to 200 people instead of just one, and we have 200 people working and helping making the world better by healing people of some specific ailment, well, what's wrong with that? So uh, anyway, I, just, I was just listening, and like, 
he had his so you have one woman who says no you don't need to do this anymore mom and then you have this one guy who's going to make everybody he knows a trade yeah. like <laughs> share the wealth share the wealth of knowledge exactly yeah. um, and so i just think that's so interesting so it's hard to talk about healing itself did you ever go do you remember a time when you actually visited a treta yeah um you want to tell us about that let's see um what was it for? Oh, yeah, they would for warts. Yeah, there were uh, as as little kids, you get warts a lot, oh, and um, so there was a there was a Creole lady, a healer, about a block away, the the street, the next street over, who um, my parents went to for various things, you know, heat stroke, and our friend, our friend in common, Richard Gidry, who's the rest is so different, he passed away in two thousand eight was also he would treat for sunstroke and and various other things i didn't know that yeah he did wow he was a, a traitor also so in the french-speaking community here you had african-americans you had native americans and you had european americans not even just french european we mm-hmm. had spanish people and german people okay so the traitor tradition did not come from a specific it didn't come from people who were French or people who were Catholic. It came from all the people that lived here that, that shared in this culture. Yeah, where, where it gets a bad reputation or takes another turn is like um, uh, when, when the traitor uses it, I guess, as a control thing or a scare tactic. To, well, yeah, but to a real traitor who, would never do that. That would be other people well, I'm who talking use about spiritual gifts. Not here, but maybe witch doctors or whatever, or voodoo type thing. Um, that's where it takes another turn. But, uh, I mean, and like you were, oh, let me just go back to what you were saying about um, the words. It's not necessarily about the words because they are repeated and sometimes they end up at the end of the lineage. It's just sounds. Um you said that you have you have treated animals, right? Horses, oh, yeah. and horses can't believe. <laughs> you exactly. don't have to believe the horses are, and and it was successful, right? Totally. You know the the healing part of it. So, how do you how do you figure that? How do you? You don't. You you, you don't. It's just it's the energy that goes from the person like you exactly. it's, and we all have it's vibrational energy we we just we were all born with this just because we were never taught about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist so mm-hmm. i have a friend who, who had race horses <laughs> <laughs> and my brother also was a trainer yeah we're a big horse culture down in south louisiana and we still do uh trail rides and we still have evangeline downs even though it moved to North to of Lafayette, to Appaloosas <laughs> from Lafayette, we still have it. So, <clears throat> took the tax base there. My brother had told me one time we talked about healing in different ways, and we knew my grandpa was a healer. But when something is sacred, you don't have open conversations about it. And the simplicity of you receive the prayer and do it. What's there to talk about? You need to be. It's a humbling thing, and it's humble. It's a service. Mm-hmm. You know, we never had a fee. You give what you could. There was a border system. But you could always afford to go to a traitor. You couldn't necessarily afford to go to a doctor. So um, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> my brother told me one time, as we all learn what we learn, we learned about reflexology. 
Mm-hmm. Which is great. It works I didn't well know about that growing up. Did you know about that? So, no, I didn't. I didn't. Um, so, just in the 90s, I have a friend who does that. Well, Ellie yeah. Montero, that you know her too. So we can do reflexology in our feet and in our hands. So one time he said, you know, in a horse, all the reflexology points are in the tail. And the tail. Well, I never looked that up. I believe my brother, you know, he <laughs> was training horses. I'm thinking yeah. that's... It's really, well, how could it be through a hoof, and how would you do that through their hooves? We put shoes on the horse's feet, won't you? That's whatever. So <clears throat> one day my girlfriend calls. She's a trainer at Evangeline Downs, and she asked me to go work on one of her horses because he had, um, his eyes were messed up. Well, okay, when your eyes are messed up, it usually means you're the loser at the race and the dust gets in your eyes sometimes. Yeah. So maybe it was her slowest horse. I don't know. <laughs> so I go there and, I, and the, we're, we're talking thoroughbreds. And I didn't go inside the stall. There was a like a half gate. But the horse came to me. Now why would the horse come to me? We didn't tell the horse anything. You visit horses, they don't always go to meet you. So the horse came to me, and I would um, rub my rub, run my eyes, my hands, in front of his eyes. Well, when you grow up with horses, you know, you never do anything around a horse's eye because it could, it could scare them, it could spoof them, but it didn't. And they have and, these big eyelashes, these, these big, big eyelashes. I wasn't, like, touching his eyes or anything, but I'm just... In front of him. In I'm the just air in like front of soothing him. the soothing what is in his eyes on both mm-hmm. sides. And I'm amazed and I'm thinking, this goes against everything I was taught about horses. And it doesn't make sense. How would the horse know to come to me? But he did. Hmm. Animals are so instinctive. They're, They're so instinctive. So then I go to the next horse and he comes to the stall to meet me like, Hello. And I don't think she had introduced us. So he faces, just out of curiosity, I guess they just he, come. He faces too. me, sort of not head on but sideways, and so she says, "Well, his hoof—that is, at what he presented to me, which was was his like his chest." She says, "That's the hoof that's giving him problems." So, not only did he come see me, but he presented me with his issue. Mm-hmm. Well, like, hmm. oh boy, he's smart, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. You were impressed. So then I look at her and I said, you know, George said, this is my brother, George said all the reflexology points in a horse are in their tail. So come down, I go to the third stall. So this horse looks at me, and he doesn't approach me like the other two did. He looks at me, and, and he, he makes turns a complete off. circle. And that horse presented me with his tail, and then she and I got scared. It was kind of scary, but he not. was showing you his best side. It could have been interpreted in different ways, no. of course. But then I laid my hand uh-huh. on his tail. The tail wasn't you know how they switch it back and forth no, all the time. It was very. He, still. It was calm. I laid my hand where his tail is on his body before the hair, mm-hmm. and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm letting whatever he needs. Like at the top of the tail. Okay. Yes. And not, not, not the hair part, mm-hmm. but where the tail begins and the hair comes from his body. And I'm like, well, I know George said this was true. Well, okay, like now I really believe this. And I couldn't mm-hmm. look at her because we would want to just like get into the 
is this really true? Is this really happening? And question it. And then the horse turns his head to see me, makes a complete circle, and gives me his tail again. I could take a break, and then he gives me his tail, I guess, until the work was finished. So it's so in that animals don't know about God enough to let them be mm-hmm. divisive and suspicious. They they, they Deci- decisive. Yeah. yeah, and so then the, the last horse I don't remember. I treated four of her horses. It was so funny. But it was affirming to she and I that this is real. Okay, well, what were the results later that she... That, I never she, asked her. She had called you for one horse, the first one. Um, then we just treated him all over. I never asked her. What was the one? Oh, you the went eyes. to the one for the eyes, the right. slow horse. I don't know if he was slow. Yeah, I wonder uh, if it... Um, you know, I know that it always does good. And, 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 and so I never asked her. I never asked about results. It's not about results. It's about doing the work. Because you know something good comes of it. Well, I do, you know, in yeah. my own way. It, it's it's a it's the physical, mental, and spiritual work. So maybe physically they don't get better. Like some people that have cancer are in the process of dying. It's okay for them to die, but sometimes my being with them can help them um, understand and accept or realize or relax enough that they have to do things that can better allow them to have a full life or take care of things for their family because they know they're going to be dying soon. So it, it's it's not about mm. making people get better. It's not? It, it's about... That's, that'll be confusing for people out there. Well, But it, it's okay because we are always confused. I'm confused as I do it. You know, the treter was a simple thing and sometimes you would go and you're your sprained ankle would get better. But when you're healing for bigger things, it's not so simple. Like the, the gentleman from Karen Crow, his name was Mr. Kader. I'd go visit him. So he looked at me one time and he said, I think I'm a healer. And I'm like, well, no kidding. Yeah, we're talking about that, I assume, yeah. on that topic. Because he's a traitor, but in his eyes, a traitor and a healer was not the same thing. Oh, really? Well, no, because for Tretard, he had eight things he did, and that was it. But healing is different. Is that gener- generally speaking, that's what people think? I don't know. I never knew that they made a distinction. When you go see a Tretard, you get healed or you go get treated? Well, except, well, uh, you a, get treated a Tretard, for a certain you get thing. treated. And it's for a specific thing. And a healer, you get treated and it heals. <laughs> it's just an English word and a French word. And No, but mm. what I'm saying is that you wouldn't necessarily go to a treter in they didn't have cancer, but you wouldn't necessarily go for cancer. It was always a specific you went for. You went because you had an earache. You went because you had a sprained ankle. You wouldn't go for something you didn't know what you have. You would only go to them for what you knew. Everybody prayed, but the treatments came, a specific prayer, for a specific ailment, and they usually got results. Yes, but if cancer is the ailment, why could they no, treat we, for we're it? We're not talking because about it. Could we be. didn't even know we had cancer during the days of the treter. Um, as far as growing up, my parents I understood but, cancer to be called a mauvais mal, a bad, a bad pain, or something. So right. they had a name for it, but we didn't know but, if it was cancer or another kind of maladie. 
je sais pas, it was just different from other types of ailments. Right, but what I'm saying is, when you talk about the specific ways in a specific culture that a person heals, in our culture, it was that prayer and that ailment. And yes, it brought results. You did earache, you did, but today when people call you, they want you to heal everything, all right? A healer is not necessarily the a certain specific thing. They think healer is general. The healing I had trained for in Reiki and healing touch and all those things didn't talk about earaches. And it was not a cultural thing. It was a beyond a culture, if you get what I'm saying. So in his humility, he said, I think I'm a healer. And I'm like, well, of course you are. <laughs> you know, he goes, no, I went to visit my someone in the hospital had had a stroke, right? And I don't know if there's a prayer for a stroke. That's a big thing, you know? So he says, and I went and I prayed for her. And he said, and after I prayed for her, she was like able to communicate with him. The symptoms of her stroke had reduced. So he did not go as a tretard. He went to just love this person and he prayed for them. But he mm -hmm. felt that healing had happened, which is different from the healing that he does in his house, specific things. That's mm. all I'm saying. Mm. And so mm -hmm. when I work with people who have cancer and I know that they are close to death, then the healing cure becomes separate. And and and, that, and he uh, he and I understood <coughs> that then, and and I think people can understand that now, and that and that it's a body, mind, and spirit thing instead of just a specific physical thing. What's the strangest or the most unique thing that you've you've treated? A snake. A snake. Now that's interesting. Now that's what? horrible. <laughs> what? It's not horrible, but a snake and some chickens. <laughs> Somebody okay. called you in to do that? Oh, yeah. They brought them to my house. <laughs> they did. <laughs> <laughs> there was a chicken in my neighborhood that had a, his little foot, his talon. I don't know what you call a chicken foot. It, it was swollen in the middle. I'm afraid of chickens because a rooster jumped on me when I was a child one time. And I said, oh, yeah, bring it. <laughs> I had to swallow my fear. But I made sure they held it, you know, comfortably. And I, I never asked if it got better. I assume it did. And my son had a friend. <laughs> and he called me. He says, I have a snake. Can I bring him over? I said, yeah, bring him over again. Well, I guess if they don't come back, it's been healed. <laughs> it, or they would have come back and said, try again. Exactly. <laughs> so Who I, knows? Or they were mad it, that it didn't work and I didn't work come back. I work on this snake. Knows? And like, I'm like, and I, I like, I have to know, this is my son's friend, and all of my children are kanai. And I'm thinking, is he doing this just to see what I'm going to say? Like, or does this snake really have an issue? I don't know. So I, I did the healing, <laughs> and this was before I had the treta what kind? What kind of snake was that? A boa? I have like no, they no, keep? No, no. I don't know. Maybe. I, like, I have big no one? remembrance. It wasn't that big, but, like, I didn't look too much at the snake. You understand? Because oh. I have a... Oh, me too. <laughs> I have a certain respect for snakes. No, so respect like, is not the word for so me. So I'm like, I did what I had to do. On the, I did what I, I felt I needed to do. And so then <laughs> some years later, he's, he tells me, he says, you know, that snake died. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
said. <laughs> I know it's not because I worked on the snake. You struck out there. <laughs> no, no, no. He said, no, he said he, his owner forgot to feed him. Oh. Okay, so the poor snake. Your you son know. told you that. Okay. No, no, no. The guy that, his friend who, my son had nothing okay. to do with this. but His friend. But he and his friends were all kind of, <laughs> and so years later, this young man tells me, you know that snake died, and I know he's messing with me. And I said, well, I didn't kill him because I prayed for him. No, he, they forgot to feed him. So it must have been a boba that needed light. I don't know. But the snake died later. Evidently, he did well after the healing. So those were those were the, <laughs> the, the strangest. Really? That is interesting, huh? Yeah. The most exciting. Yes. I think we have flipped the interview around. Yeah, I'm a, I'm interviewing you I, now. Well, that's you okay. mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like to learn, too, because, I mean... Your experience with that is... So this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'll let you close out the interview. <laughs> <laughs> My uncle asked me to treat him one time. Well, no. Yeah, he did. He he and his, his wife had come to visit us at Mama's, and he was talking about he had a bad back. And, and he said, why don't you come treat me? And, and I was so excited because his daddy was the treter. And... Not a lot of people in my family had asked, and I got this so much later. You don't know who knows who does, and it's all word of mouth. You had gotten it from his dad, the gift <laughs> no, from got somebody it from else. No, that lady at the hospital. Oh, that's right, that's right. His his daddy had died when I was young, so mm -hmm. I went to his house and I treated him. And then some months later, he and his wife were at home, and you know, <clears throat> the tradition is you don't tell the treter thank you, right? Well, that's because it's not the treter, but God who heals or the universal vibration of divine love, whatever you call God, all that is. So you wouldn't ask if someone got better or not. Just go about your merry way. It's not an ego thing. Mm, so see. a couple of months later, he was home with his wife having coffee again, and she says, you know, he never complained of his backache since you treated him. Well, I knew it was successful then, but it made me happy because the gift that came from his dad that I thought was lost was somehow I got through through Miss Eva and I'm doing the work and I could help his son. Like, how cool was that? And then he goes, you yeah. know, he said, Papa used to do this at the barn. Oh, with the horses? With well, he'd the make animals? people go to the barn, but I guess it was the men, you know? And he said, oh, and he yeah, told us not to watch. But we did. So then here I am seeing my uncle as an old man and knowing when he was young, he didn't listen either, you know. I could see him misbehaving by watching his daddy do treat, and he told them not to watch. And he yeah, said, yeah. I would watch them, and they would sit down, and he said he would take the headache and throw it away. And he would do to this man what I was trained to do to people in something called healing touch and a specific um, technique called magnetic unruffling and so he would just like take the headache and throw it away and I knew in that moment the new stuff I was being taught was really ancient <laughs> and 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 because my uncle had a backache and I treated him we could talk about my grandpa because we didn't even talk about that you just knew who did it, and you called it when they needed. That was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't a, and the topic of conversation became, as at a coffee. 
No, and when we became smart as a culture and we had sterilization, then we started having babies in hospitals. Well, that never had to happen. And then we started to believe that penicillin and sterilization was going to stop us from ever getting sick, and that yeah. didn't happen either. So now we're reclaiming what? And we can choose some from everything. It's amazing. Thank you for listening to Le Cado Podcast. I'm your host, Becca Begno. Matt Roberts produced the show. Thanks to AOC Community Media for the use of their facilities. For information about AOC, you can visit aocinc.org. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. The views and opinions expressed on this or any program on the AOC Podcast Network do not reflect the views and opinions of Lafayette Consolidated Government, Cox Communications, LUS Fiber, AOC Community Media, its board of directors, or its staff. To learn more about becoming a community media producer, visit us on the web at aocinc.org.